Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. So Lauren, are you uh, in New York today? I'm in New York City. That's correct. <laughs> All right. Where, whereabouts, uh, what side of town, so to speak? Uh, Chelsea, West Side, Lower Manhattan. That's my neighborhood. And uh, I, I've been here for almost a decade now. And I, it's evolving and, and amazing. And also the fitness hub. There's so many gyms on my street. It's, it's amazing. Really? It makes it, yeah, super convenient for my uh, lifestyle. <laughs> You know, when I was studying uh, and getting ready for the podcast, I was looking all, looking at all your stuff yesterday and day before. So this morning, I did a few extra setups. I did a few extra yeah. pushups. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Lauren today, so let me just go a little bit longer on the treadmill. <laughs> I love it. When I was working out with my nephews who are little, I was telling them, I'm like, if the trainer says do 10, you do 11. They're like, there why? <laughs> I'm like, cause you want to be, you don't want to be the same as everybody. You want to be better. And they're looking at me like, oh my God, she is crazy. And I'm like, no, everyone's doing 10. You want to be one step ahead. And they're just like, my brother's laughing, watching this. I'm like, this is how my mind thinks. This is where I'm at. Like in my own head, I'm playing these games constantly. <laughs> I love that. Tell me about uh, early life, family, growing up, uh, brothers, siblings, parents. Yep. Give me the, give me the early story a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah. So my family's from Albania, um, which is where I just was actually the last week. So, um, oh. so my parents are from there. So grew up obviously with pretty rich culture, very, you know, uh, that, yeah. you know, old world style of family. And then obviously now they're very Americanized, but as a kid that was, you know, more traditional upbringing, very focused on school and work ethic, and we should be mm -hmm. grateful to be in this amazing country. And, you know, all those things that seemed super annoying at the time, I'm now like super grateful that were instilled in me um, to work super hard and appreciate like, you know, just appreciate all the things that we don't appreciate as Americans. I think, you know, like when you go other places, you're like, wow, actually we got it pretty good. So <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Isn't that so true? Any anytime I visit with somebody and they're complaining about here, I'm like, have you been overseas? Have you been like to another country? Money out of the government banks. Like that's a bad day, right? Like <laughs> that's a really <laughs> bad day. So I think that that's always been like something I'm actually grateful for. But as a kid, I just thought it was like super lectures and annoying, you know, were you born I, here? Were you born in, yeah, the, in the I'm U born okay. here. I was born on Long Island. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, I have two older brothers, uh, basically like eight and a half and almost 10 years older than me. They are my Ooh. real brothers, <laughs> but were you, were you like a accident? Were you like a oops, God, God's gift? I guess they say so. <laughs> so here I am. And, uh, yeah, which, which I'm grateful for that too, because it, I think it made me a really good athlete. It made me because your really brothers, your brothers pushed the shit out of you or what, what happened? Yeah, they'd yeah. be like, you want to play with us? You got to sprint to the fence and back in <laughs> under 20 seconds. You got to throw the football through the hula hoop, like all these things that nobody could do. And I would just try try and try because I just wanted to hang out with them. And then, so I was like, you guys made me this incredible athlete. And my parents, you know, my dad wanted the boys to be good at sports. And here was his daughter who was like the best of all of them. And I'm like, pretty they, funny. Yeah. They groomed me. I'm like, they were trained. It was like training camp every day with them. So 
I don't yes. hear the, uh, I mean, you, you do talk fast like a New Yorker, but I don't hear the Long Island accent really. Not, not, not as thick as some people from Long Island. Yeah. I'm from the North shore. The North shore doesn't typically have the accent. Oh, oh, of the South oh, okay. Shore. <laughs> okay. 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 I have a couple to... words that I say weird, like Mira, I say, which is people right. are like, what? so that's like one word, but yeah, I don't think I have an accent otherwise. For the most what's your, what's your mom and dad do? Like what they do for a living? Yeah. So my, um, my mom worked and then ultimately married my dad and raised us. My father, you know, went to city college, then ultimately went to Harvard, like kind of the what? What? story. Yeah. Like what? Whoa, his whoa, parents whoa. passed away, like just amazing, amazing story of like, you know, having nothing, leaving the a communist country, coming here, having nothing, living with a million family members in a house, like, and then ultimately started a company with his brother, which they ran for many, many years in the oil industry. They're both engineers. They made some like little piece of machinery that measures gas and oil. Um, so, yeah, so they, you know, they work together. My family's like super close. Like my dad and his brother work together every day. They're like, you know, still, best friends. still, fortunately just passed away. So that who was did, your, who did my, my, fa- my father's brother. I see. I uh, yeah. See. So that was heartbreaking, but you know, they were best friends and all the way through and, and, you know, so my whole family's yeah, super close. And, and so I'm grateful for, for all that for sure. But, but definitely that hard work ethic is, uh, has always been instilled in me since, since day one. Oh, so when your dad hears people complain after what he went through and accomplished, he's probably like, <laughs> yeah. Like when I was little, I would want like a new bigger bike. Cause everyone got like a cooler, bigger bike. He'd be like, we had one bike, the whole neighborhood used it. I'm like, listen, that's a great story. I appreciate the sentiment, but my friends all get new bikes like every other year. And I really want another one. Like, or I'd be like, I want more sneakers. He's like, you have a pair. I'm like, yeah, but I want to rotate my pairs. Like they were like, he was like, you couldn't understand these concepts. And at the time, yeah, it just felt like, you know, I, I was like, why are you not giving all these things to me? But now I find that like, I really appreciate those things. Like it's, um, I, I get it now, you know? And it's just like, was but he tough? Kid, was he was he pretty hard to hardcore? Was he pretty like traditional, like pretty tough dad or was, was he? Yeah, like he would never really like be like, oh, you did an awesome job like on that. He would just be like, I'm like, I got a 99. He's like, did anybody get a 100? I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you know, kind of that attitude. But but my mom always was kind of like, you know, the opposite. And and so they, they were a good balance. But I think that, okay. you know, I'm grateful for that that tough love because now we're kind of a community of everybody gets an award sort of thing, sort of thing uh, and right? one too far the other way maybe there's like a happy medium between between those two worlds but <laughs> so your mom was the, the the affectionate good job good job lauren give you a hug all that totally she, totally okay okay yeah. your mom dad so your mom's still alive yes yep are they are they still married Oh yeah. Super cute. We were just in Albania. They were holding hands. It's like, they're so, what? That's yeah, funny. they're so cute. <laughs> That's right. How so, old are they? Um, almost high, high seventies. So almost 80, 79. Yeah. Because my brothers are a bunch older. They're older than typically people, my age's parents. So that's why we just did a big family trip. It was pretty awesome. We hadn't been on a family trip since like we were in college. So we did a whole. Oh, family oh your trip. brother, your brothers were there and your parents, like everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was really, oh, cool. really fun. Oh, that's, yeah. you know, see, yeah. And you know what? At their age, that trip, I mean, that's great. That's a wonderful yeah. trip. To, I mean, that's a lifetime trip right there, right? Totally. I mean, that was kind yeah. of the, like, we're like, hopefully we could do this again. But if we can't do this again, like, this has been an amazing. Awesome. Yeah. 
That's came at an unopportune funny. time in like terms of like the things going on on the business front. But, you know, I just suck it well, up. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, there's always something going on. Yeah, there's never a great time. So I was just like, <laughs> you know what? Like you can't let all this time blur by. You got to just make it all work. That's that's what we do. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm happy to hear that they're still together. Just your brothers. Uh, you got uh, uh, you got nephew. You got what, what else you got going on? Yeah, my, got one brother's got, my one brother lives in New York City near me and my other brother's in Cali and he has a wife and two kids. So. Okay. They're, they're uh, yeah, now taller. They're like 12 and taller than me. It's funny. They put their arm around me. I feel like they're baby now. I'm like, I'm back to being the baby again with you guys. Well, you're not, are you not tall? Are you, how tall? I figured you were taller since you were an athlete. I'm like five, five, but these kids are like six feet, say over oh. six feet. They're huge kid. My brother's wife was a volleyball player. So the kids are huge. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and you yourself, what are you in relationship now? You got, what's your story? Yeah. What's your social well, What's your social story? Yeah, I have a partner for many years. Um, and just, you know, I, I always tell my dad when he's like, where are you going? I'm like, listen, I'm trying to build a billion dollar company. There's a lot. It's hard to do everything and focus on everything yes. at once. Right. So I think I'm like, listen, I got to I froze my eggs a couple during the pandemic. So science you, are you serious? Are you just yeah. joking? Or are you serious? No, I'm being serious. I'm like, science is a beautiful thing. I'm like, dad, literally science is amazing. Like I can't worry about all, I can't do all these things. Like, you know, there's just, I could barely remember to walk the dog. So, I, so you want to so you have, you, you do want to have kids down the road. I here. just want to have all the options that I can have. And so now I do, and, and we'll see. You know, but you're the a dog, you're, my priority at this point. So you're, you're a dog owner. Correct. <laughs> isn't, isn't owning a dog in New York tough though? Is that hard? I mean, it is. Cause you got to like walk it instead of letting it out. But you know, it's like the only thing that gets me outside of my apartment right now, because I just sit on my laptop. So I'm actually pretty grateful for the uh, raise every time I need to go outside. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I've just always thought, I mean, I've been to New York several times. And I always thought, man, owning a dog here might be tough, but I guess you're used to it, right? You're probably yeah. used to it. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even phase you. Yeah. But when I go to a house and you just open the door, I'm like, God, this is easy. I got to like suit up, put gloves, two pairs of pants on in the winter, in the <laughs> rain. The dog doesn't want to go outside. Neither do I. So Dude, there's definitely I, moments where it's not glamorous, but. <laughs> yes. I hate to tell you, but I live in Colorado. And when my dog wants out, all I got to do is open the door. And it's that's so, my, that's where I want my second home. So <laughs> hopefully I'll be there. Have soon. you been? Have you been? Sometimes I love Colorado. In fact, I think I saw a picture of you skiing on one of your social profiles or something. Was this? Ski? I thought, yeah. I so you've been, you've been, okay. Yeah, yeah. Big time. During the pandemic, I actually spent a month near uh, Jackson Hole and a month near Big Sky. And it was like incredible. It was cool. Yeah. Did you like Jackson Hole? You loved it? I like, yeah. I mean, I liked, I liked both of them. They're just different, different mountains, but it snowed every single day, 500 inches while we were there, which was, yeah, I was sad. I was going to like miss the snow and I'd be working. And every morning I'd wake up and it was just flurrying. I'm like, this is incredible. You know, I'm uh, I'm becoming more and more of a Wyoming fan. We live in northern Colorado and uh, I kind of like Wyoming. There, if, I, if I'm trying to get away from people, if I'm trying to kind of kind of get some space, you know, there's plenty of space. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in Montana was from Colorado. They were like, well, we used to be in Breckenridge. We used to be here. We used to. I felt like that was the over like you know, that was the tone that I was getting. I'm like, but then they called Bozeman, Montana, Bozangeles because all the people from Los Angeles. Ooh. So they were like, Ooh, the cat's kind of getting out of the bag mm. on the, uh, mm. 
Montana. The locals, the locals probably hate it, don't they? They're probably yeah, they're like, we want to hate you, but you're also fun and nice. They're like, but we <laughs> like we look at you and we hate you, but then we talk to you. We're like, these people are cool. <laughs> That's why they're here. <laughs> Uh, so, so when you were a kid, obviously you were a big time athlete, high school, right? You played all the sport. Did you play, what was your primary sports in, in high school? I played field hockey in college. I was two time all American. I saw that. Yeah. So yes. out, played for number one D one team. My primary sport was softball actually growing up. And then I played field hockey in middle school and quickly got moved to varsity and then switched to that becoming my primary sport. But I played sports all, all seasons, um, growing up, but so Maryland, I, did you have a scholarship yeah. for field hockey to Maryland? Is that what happened? Partial. Yep. To Maryland and Maryland is number one dynasty, um, for many, 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 many years. <laughs> did you guys <laughs> win championship? You guys won some championships while you were there and got to the final four, all the years that we didn't. Yeah. They're definitely top of the game. The coach has been there for when I was there, still there, still kicking butt. Now they moved out of the ACC conference actually. So oh. the dynamic shifting a little bit. Um, Were you a four-year starter? No, I didn't start for actually my last year. So my dad didn't want me to play sports at all. Um, and so my last year, my teammates were mostly, you know, playing in the U.S. or, co- or going to go on to coach. And that was not the plan for Lauren. So <laughs> at the end, I needed to start like taking business classes, focusing on business school, to be able to get a, um, you know, to be able to work at uh, in a bank and do things like that. So I sort of shifted, you know, last year. Yeah. So had to miss practice and, you know, stuff like that, which, you know, I mean, ultimately afforded the opportunity for me to have a great career on wall street. Um, and you know, then my teammates now, a lot of them, you know, soccer players, athletes, like, now what do I do? You know, like there's a, right. there's a problem if you're not yes. a, a NBA or an NFL player, there is a real like systemic problem that these really great athletes then, you know, finish these journeys and really are like, what's the plan? And so I totally, totally, totally yeah. agree. I mean, you, you can be a field hockey champion, four-time champion, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? You're going to coach. I mean, I don't know what else you're going to do yeah. with that. Right. Coach basically everyone coaches. Yeah. So like as much as it stings a little bit, I also feel pretty grateful, you know, to, to have had the journey that I have. My, my brothers both work in finance. So I always want to do what they do. So I always wanted to do that. And I was interning in finance from high school and stuff like that. So, um, that but you were, but you were, but you were super athletic the whole time. Yeah. Like I actually, I, what's amazing. And it's like, I, I'm, my dad's very religious. My parents are very religious and he's the chairman of the church and, you know, practices on Sunday, most of the time. So I did no extracurricular sports on the weekends and I didn't even, I played field hockey in gym class and my coach was like, you're really good. And then I got moved up to varsity and then I was playing on the team and school. And then I became an all American and I'm like, dad, I think I'm really good at this. He's like, yeah, it's a big country. I'm like in the whole country, they like name the best players. I'm like literally one of the best players. Like I'm really wow. good at this. And, and the only reason I got into the U S national program was because I was all American. I, I never got taken to one outside practice. I would just play by myself against my garage door in my backyard, play roller hockey in the court. And I just was so determined. It was like my thing. I was like, I love this. And it was like my escape. It was my own thing. And so when I went to college, my teammates, parents all, you know, forced them to play, would yell after, yell at them after the games. Like, and they were like, Windows, you're so annoying. I like loved it. I'd like skip out onto the field. Like it was like my own thing. It made me happy. It made me like feel like, you know, like, and I'm like, dad, could you imagine? Like, 
I had trainers, like all these other kids from the time I was five, I'd be like freaking LeBron James. Like, but that was never like, he never wanted to acknowledge that it was cool, but he would always tell his friends. He was like, Lauren's pretty good at this field hockey thing, but he would never tell me that because he wanted me to stay focused on, you know, academics, eye on the prize. Like that's not going to make your life. And you know, whether it's right or wrong, it is what it is. And so it's been my probably good, probably good advice that he kept, kept trying to focus you on the education to, to do something afterwards. But totally. did you did you enjoy numbers though? Because I thought you majored in communications. Communications but- and business as well. I couldn't be a full business major because of practice the first couple of years. And then ultimately, then I started to switch over to business school. But I couldn't formally do it because I had missed some of the introductory okay. classes at that point. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, numbers, math is definitely that's how I went on to work. And that's definitely something that my family is prides itself on being pretty coming to us pretty easy. So always wanted to move down that path. And like I said, my brother's working finance. So that's how I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> okay. And so that's yeah. what you did. You, you had a, you had a great run. You had a wonderful time at university of Maryland, by the way, did you ever, I mean, were you like, okay, I'm just studying and I'm going to sports or was there a little wild streak in there? Any like partying, any, and did you have no- fun? Did you have fun or <laughs> yeah, people always ask like, Oh, you must have had so much fun. I'm like, no, it's pretty serious business there. Like you know, we woke up at five, four thirty, lifted, then you know, like it was pretty intense experience. Obviously, all the athletes become close because you're all living in this like yeah. strange world of you know, like traveling and stuff like that. So it was an amazing experience, but it wasn't like the typical like frat row Maryland experience. I think that most people have. But then I moved to New York City, and I I don't feel like I missed out on on having a good time. So okay. <laughs> I definitely oh. did that the okay. next couple of years. <laughs> So after college, when you got it, when you moved to New York, then you, then you loosened up a little bit. Yeah. Then I was like, oh heck, I gotta, yeah, let me live my best life a little bit. And then I, (laughs) I gotta, I gotta, I gotta like focus on what the plan is here. Like I was working and you know, whatever, but then I was like, all right, I really want to make, make something of this career and focus. So then I went into my career pretty hard and, and had a pretty successful little over a decade in it. You know what, when, when I talk to division one athletes or even division two, right. They all say, you know, man, when I was in college, if you're playing division one sports, like between that and class, it is a full time hardcore gig. Like there is not a lot of social time. There's not a lot of free time. It is pretty tough. (laughs) They would put us off camp. They would when there was football games, they would watch us. So we wouldn't go. I mean we're trying to win here. Like, it's like, they don't like my coach is my friend now. So like you imagine controlling a bunch of 18 year olds that want to get there and have a good time. And all I need them to do is work. Right. And all they want to do is see all these little shiny things and all these kids around. It's a pretty tough job. One, getting them to, to stay on the same you know path as you. Right. Like, I'm like, yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but you know, it was definitely serious, serious, yeah, business. serious business. So, so you never got in trouble when you were a kid, nothing, you know, you don't know, no cool stories. You, you, you ever get arrested or anything fun you want to share anything? What, what, like, what was the worst, what's the worst thing Lauren did when she was in high school or college? Come on, give us something. Yeah. I was definitely pretty feisty, but I never crossed that line because I played okay. sports. I couldn't get, I couldn't cut school. I couldn't get in trouble because I couldn't play in a game. Okay. So I always pushed the envelope up until the last point that I could, but but I now, when you that. say that, when you say that, meaning you kind of pushed your parents a little bit, you pushed, you were a little, oh, little... I'm definitely the youngest one and definitely the one that pushes my parents for sure, <laughs> for sure the most. My brothers are like, tone it back. I'm like, I'm just trying to tell them how it is here. Right. So <laughs> I think I've definitely, I think my whole family would vote that I put the most stress on my parents. I think that's, that's a unanimous. Yes. It's Lauren. <laughs> 
Type A personality, super driven, super opinionated, right? Probably. Totally, totally. Like my, my dad will joke, like, you know, I bought my apartment, like literally in a weekend. I'm like, I'm buying a place. He's like, that's crazy. I'm like, I don't want to rent. And I'm going to like, what am I waiting for? And now he's like, that was the best decision. I'm like, crazy. <laughs> and then he's like, I can't believe my daughter, my daughter plays sports in college. I can't believe my daughter started a business. I'm like, when are you going to believe the things that I'm doing? I'm well, like, come on, dad. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Every time I do something, you're like, I never thought it'd be my daughter. I'm like, yeah, come on, man. I'm like, this has been so many times. He so was I probably, think, what was he born in? 40, 41, 40, 39. Yeah. Yep. You know, the, the people right, right in there, those, those parents that were born right in there, especially the men back then. I mean, they just hardcore, man. They didn't, yeah, they he just means didn't. It well, but it's like blows his mind. I'm like, dad, it's, yeah. I could do whatever I want in this place. <laughs> my dad was, uh, my dad was born in 37 and he didn't actually say, I love you until I was like in my forties. And he was like in the hospital dying or something. Yeah. Right? yeah. They just, they just, they're just different. You know, yeah, it's just different. Different. like when he says like a little nice thing, I'm like, Whoa, that was, like, <laughs> but like, thankfully my mom is like so loving and like, could cry with a stranger. So like I got yeah. that balance, but, but, but from him, it was definitely a yeah, different. Heart, okay. So you're, <laughs> so you're working in, all right. So now you, you're, you're downtown, you got your job, you're, you're working on wall street. What happens? Do you, you have this entrepreneurial bug or what, walk me through what happens? Cause I want to yeah. know that transition of how you, you were like, ah, oh, screw that. I'm going to, I'm going to, open up Forte and do my yeah, own thing. I wasn't trying to start a company. I was go, I was working like crazy. We had to be at work really early. We'd go out every night. I felt like I was like losing my sense of self. I couldn't get the gyms weren't even open that early. I'm like, I'm going to die. Like these guys doing it with me are 20 years older than me. I'm like, I don't understand how they're like functioning. I feel like, like I'm going to die. Like this is such a, it was so intense in a fun way, but in a crazy because they because they worked 15 hours and then went out and drank for another three hours and then they're back on the desk two hours later like blood i'm like this is like i feel like this is so (laughs) intense i'm like i i don't know how these guys do it and they have families they got to go home and do homework with children i'm like i go home and i just watch netflix by myself like this is a i'm like i can't imagine having to do second grade homework right now like you guys are warriors this is so intense and so I started to take my, I started to like, be like, I need to work out before I meet my customer. And so I would just go, you know, we'd have a dinner or go to the basketball game. And I would be like, I'm going to go work out for an hour. I'll see you guys. I'll meet you at the steakhouse later. And then they're like, where the hell are you going, Lauren? Like everyone wanted to know what I was up to. I'm like, I told you, I'm going to go work out. Like I I'm losing my sense of self. That's my like sanity pill. I need to work out. And so then some of them were like, well, I'll come with you. What are you going to do? And so I started then like amassing people. Oh. Oh. To, like, come with me. So like, I was like, let's go take a spin class. Let's go take a boxing class. So I got That's really into like the fitness studio scene, which was like the starting to really blossom at that time. Okay. And so I would use it as a form of my entertainment. And most people, especially in the bond world are lots of jocks, lots of athletes, like, so where everyone's really, and everyone's really competitive, obviously it's very, you know, competitive yeah. atmosphere. And so yeah. started going to do that. And at that point, then I had bought my apartment I started to like make investment, trying to just diversify. Like I was making really good money and just trying to be smart about it. And so I was looking at like, what should I invest in? So I was also exploring that, but I, I live next to Peloton on, on, oh, in Chelsea. And so then, yeah. So now I'm going to studio, I live next to Peloton. I see that I go there for the first time. It's me by myself. They have nobody understands that there's like a class in there. They think it's a store. Everyone's confused by it. And it's me <laughs> at 5am with the instructor. And I'm like, 
this is an amazing idea, but nobody cares about them. Like nobody's ever heard of this. Like we should be doing this with all the companies that are thriving right now, like SoulCycle and Berries and Orange Theory. And I'm like, this is a great idea. They can have like, you know, give people access in like parts of the world that don't have access. And I thought I was like, this is such an interesting concept. So I started then talking to the studios and gyms that I was going to. And I was like, hey, would you want to stream your classes? And at that point they were like, no, people will copy our proprietary workouts of push-ups, and you know, I'm like everybody's doing, you know, like I'm like you got to own it and get it out there. It's not like the old days where like a gym owner would go spy on another one and take their like cool workout. That's what it used to be. And so some of them had that mentality, but some of them are like, yeah, let's try this streaming thing, Lauren. I'm like, and then I wouldn't. I was scared to go back to that gym because every time I go back, like, when are we going to start the streaming thing? I'm like, I was just like bullshitting with I, I don't think we're starting this like oh my god I'm like I have no idea how to build a tech company I don't even know why I said that it just like started to get stuck in my head and so then I would go back or I'm like when are we going to do it I'm like oh my god and I just I started thinking about it I'm like I know what the future is going to look like in five years and I don't want to just like every time I have a glass of wine tell people see that I knew that was going to happen yeah, and I was right. like if mm. I just sit here and keep thinking about this that's what's going to happen I'm like mm. So I, I feel so certain about where this is headed. I'm like, I just need to start figuring it out. And so okay. I would be at work, like really distracted, like trying to figure things out and, and looking on my LinkedIn for people in tech. And then I would be at work, like you bought 200 million two-year notes. I'm like, I'm on a meeting for like, for what? I'm like, my company, they're like, what? I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but like, I'm starting to think about this and it's like starting to become something. So I ultimately found somebody that was technical. And okay. then I, I realized like, this was just a game that we were playing and talking about at night till midnight until yes. I really left my job. And like, I couldn't raise money by just like having this idea because we're two smart people talking about it. So, so the, the, the quote LLC or the company was not officially formed while you still had your job. You were just like, we, I was just like, I went on my LinkedIn. I typed in tech. I knew like nobody in tech, only traders, like two people. I need a friend. I need yeah. a tech friend. I was like, I need somebody <laughs> that could talk about this. Yeah. So then, so then I started to like, weasel my way into like somebody I knew that worked in tech was like, Oh yeah, there's an event. And I would just go and like okay. start to slowly right. get immersed and figure it out. And so then, then at a certain point, I'm like, I feel really certain about this. I was just so distracted at work. I was like, yeah. you know what, if I don't do this, like, I'm just going to tell a depressing story that I thought of it. And I'm like, I'm going to do so it. Quit. So you quit. I quit. Yeah. I was like, you quit. I gotta get out you of quit. quit. Yeah. When you called, when you called your dad and said, I am quitting my big time job. He was probably like, what? You, he was what? actually proud. He was actually like, I never thought you'd be the entrepreneur. I'm like, well, it's happening. I don't know where it's headed, but it's happening. And he was actually what? really supportive. But most of my friends were like, what? You're killing it. I'm like, yeah, but like, I didn't say I'm going to go like drink vodka in my bathroom by myself. This is like a great challenge. Your reaction was so like, I just told you something horrible. Like, and I was just like, I feel certain about this. And I'm, right. I'm going to set out. Did your, did your tech partner, friend, what co was this a co-founder? Not a, a co-founder. Just I had actually invested then. I had made some money. So I was able to sort of like pay for them to work. I see. So, yeah, founder, okay. but that different. Yeah, I had invested a bunch more. So Okay. Okay. All right. So you had some money that you invested. You had enough money for savings to live because get you quit your job. Yeah, get them to work. And, and then, then you got, all right. All right. And, and then, then you formed the you formed the company. Formed the company. Started like you know, telling people. I'm like, my company is Forte. Like you know, that's a weird moment when you like say it to somebody. Like I'm like, okay, now I'm saying this to people. Now this is like, I think that's the one thing that like you got to start doing quick, or it's like 
a secret game that you play for a while. Like people are like, oh, I have this thing. I hear people say it now to me all the time. I'm working on this thing. I'm like, what's your company's name? What's your thing? Yeah. Give yeah. me the pitch. Yeah. 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 You're like, but can like, you they talk about Yeah. They don't own it. You don't own Like you got to just own it and then just like start to speak where you're headed into existence sooner. Rather so than you later. formed it as a 100% owner from the beginning and you were right. had enough money to pay some tech people to get it going. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. Now that was yep. what, five, six, seven years ago. How, how many yeah, years? One end of 2015. Yep. Wow. Wow. All right. All right. All right. And how long did it take to have revenue? When did you get your first, when did the first check hit the bank? How, how yeah. many months? Well, because we weren't building like a better mousetrap, people didn't understand what we were talking about. Yeah, so sure. like, For it sure. wasn't like, we're like, okay, this is the, um, you know, CRM management system you use. And we built a better one because this is why you hate this. It was like, we're going to stream and then people can join. And like, they were just like, whoa, this is crazy. So we, we initially then got a, a, a gym that would let us like, so we built this like proprietary automated hardware and software. That's like our big moat that we've developed basically. Okay. Okay. It's this automation that produces a live stream in a location anywhere in the world, rotates the cameras, mixes, like basically does all the stuff that the producers do, cut, cuts between cameras, and then it renders it on demand with no human operators. So the output is very high quality, but it doesn't require a producer and then building a TV studio like Peloton and the other. Okay, thing. let me pause right there because I'm trying to have a visual around that. So yep. instead of just a stationary camera that's shooting the people inside the gym and the instructor and it's just yep. sitting there yep you you created something that does different shots and and, and yeah it's mixing all, all, all the stuff it turns itself on like even if you have a stationary camera what most people do is they record it and then they upload it to a website right that but that's that's not the future that's been around right. for 20 years right, right so right. This, only people yeah. doing live streaming were the tech companies and even now the people that do live they use zoom because they can't figure out how to do yep. that last bit They're without just using zoom they're using Zoom. Yep. They can't figure it out. <laughs> so this automation was a really like crucial. I, I knew like when I started telling the engineers what I was envisioning, they're like, you don't understand how it works. Like you idiot. I'm like, I know I don't understand how it works, but I'm telling you that the gym operators are not technical and they can't, it all has to magically work. They have to just show up and teach their class and do nothing. And I want them yes. to touch the button. Agreed. And they're like, they're like, well, can't they just do this and put this uh, encoder on? And I'm like, nope, nope. And like, I just kept, and they kept telling me that's not possible. And I just, because I was so naive and didn't understand things, I'm like, nope, can't work like that. And it got to a point where it is a beautiful thing now that is amazing. But it was only because I was, I was like, no, I'm not going to like accept that. Like, this is not going to work. So we built this hardware after lots of testing. We partnered with Microsoft. They have a startup program. In oh, order to, did you get like a grant or what? Did yeah, they, it's, it, yeah. So they have like Microsoft for startups in order to, to do this live streaming on their platform. I mean, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars just testing that this is going to work. So, <laughs> of course, like nobody's going to give us all that money, just torch through maybe something that will work. So Microsoft was pivotal in the beginning and in, in enabling us to do that. Um, and they've been a great partner all throughout this. And so we did that and then we got it perfect in my house. And then we're like, okay, let's find a gym that's going to do this. So I went back to the guy that was like, yeah, let's talk about this. And I'm like, would you be willing to like, let us come in here, put this in here and just teach your classes and we'll watch how it works. And, and as soon as we put it in there, like nothing worked the same. It worked perfectly in my house. It was like a mess in his place because the trainers are touching the volume and everyone's wiggling the cords and 
it just, nothing works. I'm like, okay, this is like, so basically it took a couple, like two to three years of deploying this hardware in heated rooms that are 115 degrees in black pitch black rooms. And, you know, it's not a TV set where we control the environment. It's like blaring music with a screaming trainer yes. and all these variables that we don't control. So it took a long time to really get this down to a science where we can deploy it in any sort of environment. And it works really, really well. Wow. Now those two or three years now aspiring entrepreneurs listening to this are like, Oh shit. Okay. So it took yeah. three years to, so that's, you're not getting paid. You're not paying yourself. Oh. In fact, you're, in fact, money's going out for the, totally bleeding, for the bleeding. engineers. You're just, you're just bleeding cash. You're just bleeding totally. cash. Eventually I'm like, I don't have any more cash to bleed. And then I was like, we got to raise, we got to okay. raise. Okay. You took the next, you took my next question because I was oh. like, okay, well how long, yeah. Sooner or later we, you're laying in bed at night going, Oh shit, I'm almost out of money now. What yeah. Like doing? my, my charisma wasn't going to keep everybody just hustling at that rate for, for much longer. So. <laughs> Come on guys. I can't, I, like, pay you. I can't pay you, but if you'll just come this way, it's going to be all right. Yeah, we got this. So eventually I was like, okay, we're going to have to start to like kind of up the ante here a little bit and try so to see. Then, now that's a, that's a, that's a pivot moment for you because you're into, you were into production and building what your, your vision. Yep. Now, all of a sudden you're switching to raising cash, which is a whole different thing, right? Totally. And you hadn't done it before. You hadn't raised cash before. No, I hadn't made a presentation since the third grade. You know, I hadn't spoken in front of anybody. Here I am, like on the PowerPoint, like uh, I use Bloomberg all day at my job. You know, we don't I didn't even have email at work. Like we just around Bloomberg and looking at prices. I'm like, now I have to make a PowerPoint and communicate this. And so it was a steep learning curve for sure. Was that after the third year? Where were you at? Right, like year I three. Think, I mean, or- we started. I funded the company for a while. Um, we built out some sort of proof of concept. We okay. built out a platform for it to stream to, like a basic proof of concept. Okay. Um, and then I raised some friends and family, which, of course, like you know, is like, is this a good Not- idea? Is this a real thing? Like, but you know, that's the only people that are going to talk to you, right? At first, because everyone else is like, who, you know, what company have you started, and you know, what's the plan, and so. I started to then, um, you know, raise friends and family and then ultimately reach out to angel networks. You know, we have Harvard Business School Angels, um, Dingman Angels, which is my business school at Maryland, a thousand angels, Golden Seeds Angel Fund. So I started then reaching out to angel networks, which was which was awesome. You know, angels are fun investors, super smart, super helpful, very excited for you. And that how was many any any idea how many times you reached out and how many times you were told no? Any idea? Oh my God. I don't, I would be depressed if I looked at the uh, amount of meetings I have. People are like, Oh, it's so hard. They get so frustrated. I'm like, have you heard any good story? You got to like screw up almost fail 20 times. I'm like, if you're not going through that process, like then don't even, you're never going to get there. I'm like, every time it's rough, I'm like, this is a part of the process. I'm like, I listen to every successful entrepreneur story. I'm like, you got to have these moments. It's part of the, yes, 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 yes. You you didn't ever have, you seem like a very positive, energetic person. And almost all the time, I mean, I'm guessing you have bad days, but you're a pretty positive person. Were there any, were there any dark moments where you're back in your apartment and you are pouring the vodka and you're like, fucking hey, man, I don't know if that, I don't know if this is going to work. Were there some dark moments there? Yeah. I mean, the first day I quit my job and I sat in my house, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, what the hell did I just do? I was like, I miss my coworkers and my job. Like, this is insane. Like, so that was a big, like, moment where I'm like, 
this was absolutely crazy. You've lost your mind. But then slowly I got in the groove. I'm doing my laundry midday. I'm doing work. I'm like, okay, I can do this. This is going to work out at 12. Uh, I'm like, okay, I like this. I can, I can figure this well, out. So, well, yeah. what was the first big uh, angel check? Or can you talk to us a little bit about, Oh, talk, just give us, give us the fundraising history so far then. So what you hit some, yeah. did you hit some angels? Have you done series a, where are you at? Yeah. Yeah. So we're raising our series A right now, coupled okay. with an acquisition of a competitor. So super excited. Oh, oh. Yeah. So that's been a lot, a lot going on. Okay. We've raised over 10 million since inception. What? Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Let's just take a yeah. deep breath yeah. right there. Let's just take a pause. <laughs> Let's take a pause. Yeah. Congra congratulations. That Thank is you. wow. Okay. So you went from I'm in my apartment panicking because I just quit my job. And here we are. Five, six years later, you've raised a total of $10 million. That is a big deal, Lauren. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I find like notebooks that I have where I'm like, what is a venture capitalist? This is like <laughs> things I wrote down the first day. I'm like, what so an good. idiot. I, I didn't even know. So like, good. I worked in finance, but I still didn't know what the venture world was, right? Like, I'm like, wow. what is I can't believe I didn't know this stuff. And like, I have these moments where, you know, you're always running and gunning and the company went from me and a technical person to a couple people to many, many people that I don't even interact with now, like uh, that much. And so like, you know, you don't ever really stop and like take a moment to go, wow. But when you find a piece of paper like that, I'm like, you come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you've raised 10 million. Can you share uh, how many employees now? Yeah. So we're about oh, a little over 40 employees. Wow. Wow. 100% yeah, uh, remote. 100% remote. I mean, my my COO, my CTO are New York based. Uh, we have a preponderance of people in and around this area, okay, but we okay. the team is is global. But uh, that, but we have a big true. portion of it sort of East Coast ish. Is the ten million from a couple of different VC firms? One firm? Uh, was it like spread out a bunch of a bunch of people? I don't know how much you can share. I know it's private. Uh, yeah. Company. So we so I mean the fundraising process one is like is a slot. It's like, oof. Yeah, I mean, yes. it is a, yeah. I'm proud to say I understand how it works now. It was definitely like every time I leave a meeting, I'd be scribbling notes. I didn't know the answers. Like now I go in there, I'm like Teflon. I'm like, there's not a thing you can ask me <laughs> that I, that I don't have an answer. Like, so it feels good in that regard to understand also their objectives, ask smarter questions. You know, it's like, you know, when you're, you know, you start to understand what their objectives are too, which are quite different than yours, right? So, you know, as a founder is a huge learning curve, right? And and it I is. think, you know, like I have had so many meetings and people will be like, oh my God, how did you get 76 capital? I'm like, I stalked them for years. They did not like, I didn't meet with them and they're like, great, Lauren, we love you. Like, yeah, yeah. Here's it. Yeah. We'll just write a check after the first meeting. Yeah, they're no. like, I reached out to Golden Seeds. They rejected me. I'm like, they rejected me 20 times before they gave me money. Like, I'm like, <laughs> it's not that easy. Like, I think, you know, you start to, you know, I, I think like, I just look at the statistics sometimes in general about venture and then coupled with being a woman. And I'm like, listen, this is an uphill battle, but you love a challenge. It's not going to be easy. Like the odds are they what they are. So you're not going to take 10 meetings and figure this out. This is going to be your, com meetings. your competitive nature that you've had since you were a kid, I'm sure helped during all those times when you're getting told no, 
They're totally. hanging up on you. They won't call you back. And you're just like, you're just like, nah, I'm not going away. I'm over here. We're going to totally. And they're like, you're still here, Lord. I'm like, you got it. I think what's like, yeah, you just need to figure out along the way too. like, it's hard when you first start meeting with investors, if they're like a marketing guy, then they're like, so what's the marketing? Like they, they don't, they know what they know. So then you leave a meeting. You're like, oh, should I like start doing this? Or they're like a crypto guy. And they're like, are you thinking about crypto? I'm like, I just came in here to talk about a digital fitness company and now we're like in blockchain and I don't know how we got here. But when you first meet investors, you go down these rabbit holes because they're smarter than you and you think they know more, they've seen more, but then you need to kind of rein it in and be like, listen, only I think about this all day long. Like this is like, so there's a point between taking advice and like going yes. with the flow and also knowing like there's many things that people told me were idiotic. And now I love when they email, they're like, man, you were right. I'm like, that's a good thing. I didn't listen to you. Like, right? like I, I, so it's like a fine line too. And it's hard when you're in those stages where people that are really smart from really great funds are telling you like, this is not going to happen. The future is not going this way. This is not, you know, like, where are you getting this from? And so I think that it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting it feels balance good now, right? It feels good now. Cause now are you, are you still uh, scaling slash burning cash or is the company now making money every month we're getting we're getting to that phase now where okay. we're start well also partially because of the market we're just tightening the reins because we're in a certainly a complicated market which doesn't have a clear end in sight so yeah you know, in the event that capital continues to get more restricted we obviously don't want to be in a situation where we're burning understood. yeah burning understood for- can you can you how about for the aspiring entrepreneurs on this topic have you um I'm guessing, I'm assuming at $10 million, you, you, you don't have control of the cap table per se anymore. And it's not Lauren at 51% well, anymore. I do, I do still have control of the company. What? Yeah, I, I don't have 51%, but I have control of the company. Can you walk um, the listeners through how that works and how to set, how to set that deal up just a little bit? Because I yeah. know I get you know so many guests that come on the RiderFlex podcast. They always... They're always like, well, when, when to give up control, how much money should I take? And okay, totally. if, I, if I don't have 51, how do I write the operating agreement to make sure I'm still in charge? Blah, blah, blah. Can you just yeah. give a short, like, how'd you do that? Yeah, I think you're going to always get beat up on either valuation or control, right? I mean, you can't always, yes. unless you're in some extreme position, right? So I think for me, it was important. One, I guess I, I feel like I dodged bullets, but it wasn't because I was smart and knew to do that. It was just luckily worked out the way it did. But okay. along the way too, I had investors that were doing diligence that were just like so painful that ended up not working out for one reason or another. And the ones that I am in bed with and that now I are, are just incredible. Like there's such good supporters as we raise more rounds, they want to make sure that I feel supported and like they always have my back. And I have some other investors that, you know, will email each other behind my back and the main one will tell me they're like, I hate that they do this. Like, you know, you just, you know, you're, you're working for them, but like my lead investor is incredible. And I think that as a founder, it's really, it's easy to say when you've gotten money, like turn away the people that seem like they won't be good. Like you can't do that when you're, you know, when you're just trying to get a dollar and you're willing to take it from anybody, but has luck had it, I lucked out and have like very supportive people that, you know, are looking out for my interests as well. And I think, yeah, so that's been really crucial because they're always looking out for me too. And that's not always the case. I have some that, you know, that are smaller, you know, positions and they're certainly, you know, weaseling around in the background. And (laughs) (laughs) there, you know, I, I've had so many people on the show and they'll say, you know, 
they'll say taking VC money was the best thing I ever did. And it's also the worst thing I ever did. Totally. Totally. <laughs> it gives you this rigor though, that, and this accountability, that's important to take it to the next level. I think, right. True. Like that's you're true. accountable to them. You're setting goals. Like you're doing that for yourself, but I think it's important to have that rigor at a certain phase. And also, you know, to get to the next level, I think it's important. It depends on the type of business you're building. Obviously we're building a tech business and we're way ahead of our competitors. And so we had to invest. And so it was important. Doesn't mm. always, I think, make sense for every type of business necessarily. Mm. Um, but I think one of the exercises that I did early on and I still do to, to date is like, what is this fundraising? When do you expect to lose control? Like I had an expectation of how many rounds of funding that would be. And is it either the valuation is really good and I have a bigger portion or am I giving up control right. throughout this process, right? And so, you know, the pandemic was very good for the business. So that enabled me to have a little bit of leverage during those subsequent raises. But it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, it's never a perfect science, but I think it's important it though, you know, to, to, there's two things, right? That to navigate what you, whatever your goal is, right? Are you trying to get rich from this? Are you just like passionate and want to keep running it? You got to know what your goal is, I think. Um, and obviously you don't know what's going to be presented to you. If some acquirer comes in and it's a great deal, then that's great. But like, I think it's understanding that. So I think it's easy to get in a cycle, like let's just go out and fundraise. And then you end up like killing yourself for all these years and walking away with just like a great story. Right. And that's, that's right. You're walking away with like, really wants that either. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think oh, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that happen. People have come on the show and they're like, yeah, by the time I sold it, I only had 3%, you know, or whatever, because they yeah. got diluted so many times you gotta be super careful. So I think that uh, that's an important thing. And that's where setting, you know, setting the price and setting all those things, even when you could get a super, super high one, you got to be cognizant about what you think the next one realistically is going to be, right? You have your projections that are like your dreamy projections and you're like, what am I really going to do? And where, like, you know, I think it's important to, to keep your, like a goal projection and then a base case. Okay. That you you said, uh, you said you're in the, you're raising a series A right now. You said. Correct. Correct. How much can you share? How much? Yeah. We're raising 10 million again. Okay. Um, okay. We have a lead investor. We have a term sheet and we're trying huh? to fill the round huh? in the, peak of summer, which is never the opportune time to do it. But, you know, gotta, if it's a good deal and people, people will pay attention. So. Okay. Very, very good. Yep. Give the, give the listeners the, the elevator pitch real quick, just, just so they fully understand Forte and what it is. Go for it. Give yeah. me the pitch. So we're basically a tech company that enables gym to create a gym to create like a premium digital experience end to end. So they can have a Peloton like awesome digital offering for their members so we help them all the way from the content production side to the platform that they deliver. So we power the UFC, the YMCA, um, the NFL Players Association, and we build them a branded white labeled site app that's integrated to their ecosystem, their member management tools, apps, that is their own content. So we basically install hardware and software that enables them to live broadcast. It's fully automated, it's high production quality. And those classes then live stream to a platform that looks like theirs, that I know is branded for them. And then it's live video, it's two-way video, it's live leaderboard. So you can connect your wearable and compete in the leaderboard in real time. The trainer mm. can actually see you. We mm. have music mm. licensing deals because music is core to the experience and a big reason why gyms never put content online because the music was always oh. scary and complicated. And then see. we integrate with all the gym management CRM. So MindBody is a big company people know, MindBody, ABC, Daxco. So if you're, you know, it's integrated into their member management tool, it's a true ch omni-channel experience. The digital mm -hmm. was coming, but obviously the pandemic happened 
the gyms didn't want the dig- the operators, our clients didn't want digital revolution to occur. They were like, we build these pretty gyms and we want the people coming here. The, right. the members were already using apps. They were, they the members have on-demand economy. They want things now when they want them, where they want them. But the gyms were like staying the course. So Peloton was like annoying. They didn't like that. But then the That's pandemic true. happened and the operator had no choice but to engage yes. in digital to survive. And so it what it did was really just like, fast forward the velocity of the adoption, which is obviously, you know, I used to have to like threaten the gyms. I'm like, do you want to be like Blockbuster? All your brick and mortars aren't going to matter. It's one, it's a hotel and it's a joke. Like, and they'd be like, Lauren, oh my God, all right, we're listening. Like, because they were just like not willing to wake up and change, right? And so then the pandemic happened. And so, you know, as a founder, I think the other thing that's fun or interesting is like, that that now we're all on the same wavelength and it's a beautiful thing, but it took patience and like, it was a lot of like, I, uh, this is coming, this is coming, there's data, like, and keep having to tell them this. And and now it feels good. They're like, I should have done this a while ago. I'm like, and now, and now is there a backlog? Is there a backlog where you, you got so many gyms calling you saying, I need this, I need this technology. And you guys are like six months, six months. We didn't even have a site. Yeah. We, we initially built a marketplace and then we switched to a B2B uh, white label model actually right before the pandemic. We made that big uh, business decision because all the big companies wanted their own branded things. So we had done that. And then weeks later, the pandemic happened. And then we really were, went from, you know, a pretty small team to growing super, super fast. So, wow. And yeah. wow. Yes. And it's growing super fast now. You're, you're signing right. up. And like, I guess what's exciting is like they could have gone a couple of ways. They could have just retreated back to what they were doing, you know, but like they they now understand it. They know this is like happening. And so it's exciting for us. Like Peloton spent billions of dollars. They have a couple million members. Well, the YMCA is 23 million members. Like there's 60 million people that go to our clients in the U.S. Like they don't cost us anything to acquire. It's mm. just like these big juggernauts were not playing in this game. And so tech companies were playing and building things, but now they're starting to get involved and, and they are back and they have, you know, they're back to basically pre COVID levels and beyond. There's actually 66 million people now members of the gym, which is a record number for the U S and oh. so, yeah. So we're super exciting that they get it and they're willing to invest in it. Even just like digitizing the gym experience. Like people are walking around, they don't know what to do. They moseying around, they do the leg press, they do this, like, just like having content around the facility, helping people, you know, just, just moving it forward. Right. Like Peloton made the bike cooler and more interesting instead of they just watching, yes. watching the numbers, watching the dot light up around the track. Right. And so I think of it as like for the gym, just like, you know, enhancing the entire experience through digital. Right. And also most people don't work out and they live around the corner. 80% of people don't go to the gym. They live next to a gym. And I think the biggest, like my dream for the company is that more people like start to work out, be a member remotely and then get the confidence to go to the gym because yeah, that's my dream for the company. Ultimately our, our model works for 20. If we get all the people that work out, working out, we win the game, but but my like real hope for this company is that we get more people, you know, off the bench. And, and is working. the is the business model uh, recurring revenue monthly fees after the initial? I'm I'm guessing there's like an initial equipment purchase Correct. setup fee, and then yep. what's what's the model? Yeah. Yeah. So there's an initial like so like UFC will broadcast from LA, Dubai, New York, LA, Miami to hundreds of locations. Only they choose a select few. They pay for that hardware. We make a little margin there, but it's really just a means of getting the recurring revenue. And okay. then they can choose to charge their members, include it in a membership. I don't care how they price it, but they pay us for the members that are using it. And so they, uh, they pay per member. Per member. Yep. Per member per month. Per member per month. Per month. Yep. Correct. So it's all recurring revenue. 
Oh, great. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. And a, and a little margin off of the, and yeah. do you have, do you pay them for like a setup fee or whatever to go in and hook everything up? It's really just mainly like the cost of the hardware. For us, it's more like a means to just getting them sorted out okay. so we can create the content. Okay. And you have great partners on the vendor side for all your equipment, I'm, I'm guessing? Yep, totally. I mean, it became a little hairy during the pandemic to get, you know, some of the computers that we use and like yeah. you know, people were using them for Bitcoin and they were flying <laughs> off the shelves. So we had to buy like obscene amount of hardware and just like store it in an apartment in New York. I was like, what should we do? And this kid that works for us was living with his parents. I'm like, what if we get you, what if we move you out of your mom and dad's, fill up, get you a two bedroom and make one of your roommates all this equipment because we needed to order a ton of it. Cause I'm like, could you imagine we don't have the equipment to provide it to people? Like we have so many customers and now we can't get hardware. Oof, and so, yeah, oof, so oof, I was like, yeah. we got to go crazy ordering because it started to get more and more complicated as the pandemic went on. So Wow. True startup move at its finest. It was more expensive to get a warehouse. And I'm like, then he's going to have to go to the warehouse. I'm like, what if you just move into the city and live with it? Like, how's that? And he was like, that sounds awesome, man. Is that where a lot of the money has gone from the investors is the equipment or is it gone for the technology builder? I guess both. huh? Yeah, mainly to the technology. So we've built okay. like our, our competition is Vimeo, is Uscreen, is like just generic video hosting platforms. So our yeah. platform is like, if people choose that, they're like checking a box. If they want to have like an awesome interactive experience for the members, they choose us. So we're okay. really way ahead of the curve there. And obviously we want to keep maintaining that. So all into the tech. For the most okay. Part. Very, very good. By the way, for the listeners, it's goforte.fit. Goforte.fit, right? That's where you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. We're almost out of time. A couple of questions here, just wrapping up. Why don't more people work out? What, what, why, why is America so overweight? Why don't more people work out a little bit? What's your theory on that? Yeah, I mean, everybody that people always talk to me about working out because I have a fitness company. They're like, I swear, Lauren, I'm going to join the gym when I lose 20 pounds. I'm like, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you haven't lost the 20 pounds in 20 years. So just join the gym, man. <laughs> like, and I, I, I don't know. I, it, it like baffles me. It's like the side effects are so good. It's like your sleep improves. You're, you know, you're happier. Your cholesterol goes down. Like everything, you look better. You feel better. Like there's a million positive side effects, and people are like, Nah, I don't want to do that. Like, you know, like it's like it's incredible. It's like if somebody's like take this pill, it'll do these things. Everyone would be doing all those things, but it's like somehow there's just this blocker. And I think, I think the biggest barrier is that it's intimidating. Like the only way to join a big gym chain is you go there. You got to feel horrible about yourself. The last place you want to go is the gym or everyone's in great shape or the beach. Right. So you right. go to this place and then you have to do a tour and then they're like, you know, it's a trainer that's in great shape. It's like so aggressive. It's like, there's, it's not a great pathway to it's true. a member. You You're know right. what I think? I think that like with digital, like there's 300 million people that have downloaded my fitness pal, which is like the weight loss, you know, to be able to track your calories. Oh, okay. people are, people get it now. Like it's very clear that there are positive benefits. And so like in the, my parents would be like, think I was crazy. Like Lauren's going to the gym. Like, like I'm like a crazy person. I'm like, I'm a smart person. You guys make it like, I'm so weird that I want to work out. But like, now I think people get it. It's just, there's the intimidation factor is intimidation factor. I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right. The intimidation factor keeps people from doing it, but if they can do it from home at first, yeah, uh, my, wife, my, wife, my wife, my wife, well, yeah. go ahead. No, it's like people, people just don't know what they don't know. So it's scary to even right. step foot in there. They're like, I don't know what all the people are like in there. Like, I'm not going to be good enough. I'm like, yes. everyone's just, 
you know, there's like one crazy person, everyone else is just run of the mill regular, you're going to be fine. But there's just that barrier to entry and people never get started, but they want to like, they just, I, yeah. I agree. They want to, my wife's a perfect example. She's got a bike now that she rides and I never thought she would do that. It's upstairs and she's got the little person on the screen. It's, yeah. it's not live, it's not live, but you know, the, the, yeah, still the in a, motivator trainers talking to her, you know, and everything. Yep. She, 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 she likes it. And she, I will just take, she would never would have done that in a gym in front of other people. No, totally. Never. You know, but so eventually yeah, I, now she may feel like I'd love to try to take a class. I think it is like a gateway to yes, to, like, yeah, to figuring it out. I don't like to dance. For instance, I like, I wish I was good at it, but I'm not. So I like went to a dance class for a client of ours and I was in the corner. Like I wanted to be invisible. I'm like, these girls are doing body rolls and shit. I'm like, I cannot move like this. I'm like, I was horrified. I was sweating in the corner. I just wanted to be invisible. I'm like, now I get how people feel when they walk into a cross. Like I walk into like a CrossFit gym or any workout class. And I'm like, let's do burpees. I love this. But I was like, and, but I get it. Like in that moment, I'm like, I just wanted to be invisible. And I was like, I can't go in this corner enough. Like it was so intimidating and everyone was so good. And I didn't have sympathy for it until I stood in that class. And I'm like, that's good. And this is being filmed and this is being filmed. So now it's like on record. So the boot. but it's just like, and then I'm like, if I get, it's like anything else, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get better. Right. Like, I think that's the amazing thing about working out is like, if you can't do a push up and you try every single day, you'll eventually do one. Like you don't need to be athletic to be able to, to do that. It's like, your body is amazing and you will see results. It's just people, you know, don't, don't even try it or stick right. to it. Yeah. I encourage the listeners to try, just try, do a little something every day. Just try a little something. You'll feel so much better. I know we're out of time, Lauren. Um, GoForte.fit for the listeners one more time. Congratulations yeah. on everything that you have accomplished from that, from that moment, that day you were sitting in your apartment after you created a lot the of job perseverance, here, I would there say. There you are. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you got all these employees, you, you, you got investors. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're, you're living the entrepreneurial dream. Congratulations. I know it's crazy. It's still, it's still like, wow, I guess I am an entrepreneur now. <laughs> you are my friend. I really I appreciate right. you sharing your story on the Rider Flex podcast. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you so much.